Hi, I'm Chris Klink, and this is my Writing Table Podcast. Today's guest is Camille Pagan. Camille Pagan is a best-selling author of novels like The Art of Forgetting, Life and Other Near-Death Experiences, and Woman Last Seen in Her 30s. She's contributed articles for the New York Times, O, The Oprah Magazine, Parade, and WebMD. Her fiction focuses on love, loss, and making the most of this wonderfully messy life. Welcome, Camille. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Could you tell me a little bit about what brought you to write for magazines and how that journey led to writing novels? Yeah, Yeah, so... I got a full ride to college and my parents told me to do something useful. I'm the only one in my family. um, It was the first in my family to attend college. And I thought maybe I'd become a doctor. And it very quickly became evident that I was a much better writing student, um, excelled in English and uh, all classes related to that. And not so much in science, even though I could handle it. um, It was just very evident that I would hurt someone if I became a doctor. (laughs) <laughs> so after I graduated, I attended this course called the Radcliffe Publishing Course. It is now at Columbia. It was at Harvard at the time. And it's basically a summer-long post-grad program where they teach you how to work in publishing. So they teach you about editing and production and all of the various things that go into it. And after that, I was placed, um, not so much placed, but they arranged for you to have job interviews. And I ended up working at Fitness Magazine which is no longer in existence. So at fitness, I was able to really indulge my interest in health and psychology and learn the nuts and bolts of both writing and editing for magazines. And so I worked one other place after that. And in 2004, I went on my own as an independent journalist. So um, for a very long time, WebMD was my main client. They're amazing. They really... um, put out wonderful information for people when you're Googling all kinds of terrible things that can happen to you. They're always saying like, here's what you need to know and go to the doctor. So I think that's amazing. After your first novel, you put away your writing for a time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So everyone thinks I put away my writing for a time because I didn't get published for a very long time, but I actually wrote three books that didn't go anywhere. Um, My first book sold at auction for six figures. I thought, oh, my writing career has taken off. Like, this is going to be amazing. I'll do a book a year. That book did not sell very well. The publisher at the time encouraged me to write something different. And so I wrote a historical fiction novel. I wrote a romance. I wrote a contemporary book with four different POVs. And none of them were me. They were all... They weren't terrible, but I would never even try to fix them and publish them because I was not leaning into what I do best as a writer. And I just couldn't see it at the time. Mm -hmm. So I kept writing for magazines and um, took some time off and was on a press trip for a magazine. And I was in um, Malibu. And so I had a couple hours before my flight and I had a glass of rosé and I went down to the ocean and I'm looking out at the water and an entire plot came to me like in one moment. And so I ran back to the hotel, scribbled it down. And that book, I was like, I'm just going to write this for myself because I'm done writing something that some publisher might like. And that was life and other near-death experiences. Oh, I loved that book. Thank you. What happened after that? 
So a lot of publishers turned me down because my sales were low for the first book and they could all see it in book scan. And they said, oh, we just don't know about taking a chance. And Amazon, Lake Union, um, at that time was quite new. And the editor read it, my editor, and called my agent and said, oh, yes, this book is going to sell a trillion copies. And I knew a lot of people within my publishing circles were like, what are you doing? Like, no one's heard of this, you know, this publisher. And I just had to go with my gut because the conversation I had with my editor, she said, what do you see for your career? We want to help you make that happen. And I just knew it was the right fit. And sure enough, the book has sold more than a quarter million copies to date, just in English. How many books did you write after that one? So I am currently writing book eight right now. Book seven will be out in May. So it's been a book a year since that one. And the lesson really in that book was I stopped listening to all the voices around me and I just wrote something for myself. And since then, I've been able to really capitalize on what makes a Camille Pagan book a Camille Pagan book. And it's wit and it's um, heartfelt. And above all, they're just really life-affirming stories. That's what I like to read and that's what I write. And I had to learn to do that instead of writing to market or, you know, doing what some other person was telling me to do. We're told to put our characters through a lot, but you put Maggie, your main character, through what I call 11 stages of hell in Woman Last Seen in Her 30s. When did you know when you'd given her all she could take? Oh, so that book was a real labor of love because I wrote it when I lost my grandmother, who had raised me more or less. Um, She was as much apparent to me as my mother was. And I really wrote it in memory of her, but it was a very difficult process because I was grieving. And so I felt like she was really with me when I was writing the story. And my editing team, I work with both my acquiring editor and then a developmental editor who is Tiffany Yates Martin. And she was like, okay, you got to go even deeper here. You know, just let us see all of the emotions that this character is going through. And that book it really taught me, so life really taught me how to find my voice as a writer. Woman last seen in her 30s taught me how to edit. And that is, as we know, as important as the writing process itself. And so the following books were much easier because of that experience. And do you still work with Tiffany? I do. Other? You bring up a good point because you are an established writer. Your books have done well, yet you're telling me you're still working with a developmental editor. Mm -hmm. For those that are just getting started at this, can you kind of talk about what's different about the developmental editor and why it's important, even at your stage in the game, why it's important to continue working with one? Well, first of all, it's the same reason why anyone would get coached. We really can't see the issues that are closest to us. So with your book, you're really, even if you look it over and you step away and do all the things that are advised, it's still always in your best interest to have someone who deeply understands story and structure and plot and character, all of it, look at it with fresh eyes and say, I know how to make this better. And I really very deeply trust my editors. And that comes with time and experience. There have been things, um, suggestions made that I have disagreed with, and I do honor that. But by and large, I think coming at it with an open heart and just saying, 
I want to make this book as good as it can be. So I'm going to set my ego aside and I'm going to hear all of these words and I'm going to consider them. I always take at least a day when I get my editorial letter and it's usually like 10 pages long and it's like, fix all the things. (laughs) And sometimes I cry a little and I'm just like, oh, I can't do it. And then you take the time, you sit on it. And sure enough, very quickly, it's easy to realize, okay, what's my goal? My goal is to make this book as good as it can be. And that's just going to take some work. And that's the process every time. Have you ever had them disagree on anything or one's recommending one thing and one says the opposite? Not at a fundamental level. They're both, I think um, my team works really well together. I think their vision for any um, given story and my career is very much in sync. Sometimes little details, they'll disagree, but I really think any quality editor is going to say to you, this is my suggestion. I want you to consider it, do with it what you will. And then you do. And sometimes um, there was something in a previous book where I just knew in my heart, it wasn't right to make this change. Um, Oh, it was, um, this won't end well. And there were, it's an epistolary novel and it's very wry. And it was kind of a chance to write a book in that format. And there were a couple sections where they weren't even letters. They were like reports. Mm -hmm. And one of my editors said, yeah, I think you should maybe take this out. And I said, absolutely not. I know that this belongs in here. I hear you. I've considered it, but I'm not doing it. And sure enough, readers love the part that I left in. People would just write me and say, that was so funny. And I just, it was a gut feeling and you have to go with that. Before you begin writing Mm -hmm. each day, how do you prepare? Or before you begin writing a new project, how do you prepare first? So I use the same process that I recommend to my coaching clients. I sit down, I write a log line, I do a structure, and then I do something that a lot of people think is completely nuts. And I essentially write a query letter before I write a single page because it allows me to see, is the story complete? Is there something that I really don't believe in this early inception phase? Am am I buying into it? Because if you don't buy into it and you're not fully excited about the story, then your readers are definitely not going to be. And so I do all of that. And then I sit down to write. Now, every once in a while, I have like the first line or the first paragraph and I'll do that. And then I'll return to the process. And then I do all the things and then I start writing. But it's, yeah, it's the closest thing to a shortcut. What is your, what does your writing day look like? I am pretty um, religious about writing. I'm nine to 12 almost every day, um, five days a week. And when I'm on deadline, occasionally I'll work on the weekends too. I try not to work on most weekends because I feel like ideas need time to marinate. I need to like, you know, it's the same reason why you write poems in geometry class. I think you need to give your brain a break and just let things sit there and settle. And then I come back on Monday and I'm fresh. In your view, what is good writing? Obviously, as a reader, it's so subjective. It's really something that moves you. I think the reason why we're drawn to stories is because we want to have an emotional experience. And so if I'm moved in some way, even if it's anger, that to me is a good reading experience. And it's kind of the same thing as a writer. I want to feel, I believe that we write because it's our way of examining how we feel about the world. It's like, working out the thoughts in our head on the page. 
And so I really want to be having an emotional experience as I write. You know, writers often say to me, like, how do I tell if this is any good? What am I doing here? And I say, well, you can't, and probably it'll need to be fixed. But the closest thing to that yes or no answer that we're all looking for is, are you moved as you're writing it? So are you laughing? Are you crying with your characters? Are you really in it? Do you feel for them? And you have to answer that honestly. And then a lot of people freak out. They're like, well, if I'm not doing that, you know, what do I do? And that's where you just do a little bit of work. Um, Sometimes it's hiring someone to help you through it or going to a book like Story Genius, um, Save the Cat, like going to a craft book and really thinking about your character because all story comes from character. And so if you can be with your character or characters, if you're, you know, doing multiple point of views, then you're able to get that material that will allow you to have the emotional experience. What are you writing now? Oh, I'm writing my best book. I love this book so much. (laughs) It's called Everything Must Go. And it's the story of a, um, a woman who is the middle of three sisters. And she is trying to help her mother, who is a bit of a hoarder, deal with dementia. And um, she is uncovering some family secrets in the process. And she really has to decide whether or not to follow her own heart at the expense of breaking her mother's. Wow. Besides all these fabulous books that you write, you also coach writers. Tell me how you approach a new coaching relationship. So I work with aspiring to established authors and essentially I help them achieve their goals. So every conversation begins with a consult where I meet with them and find out what they're trying to achieve. And it's different things for different people. Some people, they've been waiting for years to write a book and they're really ready to do it, but they're afraid or they need help. They're not sure what to do. And so there we just start off by like, what kind of book do you want to write? You know, what, um, what turns you on as a reader? really getting down and then identifying an idea and then talking about how to execute. Some people come to me and they are trying to sell a book that they've already written. And so I work with them to make sure that the story is really compelling, that their pitch letter is very strong, um, creating a platform now, which is really confusing for a lot of people. They say like, oh, I'm not established yet. How do I do that? There are really simple ways to do that. And so I walk them through that process. And then there are writers who are already established. They've already published. They're at various stages of their careers and they're just not satisfied with where they're at. And so there we have a conversation of like, what do you want the future to look like? Which is, I ask everyone, like, where do you really want to be in three years? I think it's really instructive to think about that. When I say, where do you want to be in a year? It's so easy to be like, I don't know, like what's going to happen? I can't control anything. But if I say 10 years, then you're like falling asleep, right? You're like, I don't, 10 years, I don't know. Three years is something that our brains can process. It's like, oh, that's enough time to make big things happen. But not so soon that I start like pedaling frantically to do all the things. And so I really help writers get very specific about their goals. We come up with a roadmap on how to do it. Then you manage your time and really have a system for doing it. And then you manage your mind. Um, Because as Chris and I were talking about earlier, like there's the writing the book and the publishing the book. And then there's all the drama around it. And in order to really create a career that you love, you have to deal with all of the the procrastination, the self-doubt, the imposter syndrome, um, 
confidence issues, all the stuff that creeps up, even for people who are objectively killing it. You know, it looks great from the outside and inside. They're like, oh, it's horrible. And I just think like the whole point of this is to feel joy. We want to really love what we do. Otherwise we'd be neurosurgeons or something. Like there's a reason why you choose to be a writer. So I try to help every client enjoy all of it. Not just like, oh, getting the book in my hands. And how closely do you follow their their progress? I mean, is this something where they check in with you once a week? Is this something that Mm -hmm. it's monthly? Like, how does that work? So there's really good research showing that at least initially in any coaching relationship, whether you are trying to get healthy, quit drinking, write a book, it doesn't really matter what your goal is, that you really want to be working with your coach every week for at least 12 weeks. Um, And personally, I think this is because if you look at habit formation research, so there's stuff saying anything from like 21 days to 66 days is how long it takes to form a habit. But I believe that it's at least three months, because if you look at people who give up something for Lent or they do dry January, and then they go right back to their habits, I want to work with a client to make sure that whatever we're working on becomes like who they are. So I explain to people, this breaks some brains, but I'm like, I don't have writing as a goal anymore. It's literally just what I do. Like it is who I am. That's how I show up for myself every single day. And it's as routine to me as brushing my teeth. And so that makes room for other things. You know, I'm like working on my Spanish right now. Um, I'm building my coaching business. I have room for these things because writing is just who I am. It's what I do. And so that's my goal. By the end of three months with a client, I want them to have created a system that's so habitual for them and a way of thinking that it's really easy for them, whether they decide to continue coaching or not, they're able to say, I've succeeded. I am doing what I set out to do. And now I have room to grow even more. That's really the goal. She said, writing is what you do. And you do this from nine to 12 every day. And so many of us say, oh gosh, there's not enough, there's not enough time. And people, you know, there are people that are, that are publishing books and they also have an eight to five job or you're putting out a book a year. How long does it take? Not just in in publishing it once a year, but mm-hmm. how long does it take you knowing that you are using just the nine to 12 to write? How many months does it take for you to draft a novel? So I can really draft a book in three to four months. And some of that comes from doing the back end work. I really, I know people, some people like to do the pantsing method, but I believe if you really want to not have the crappiest first draft, it's to your benefit to do some of the back end first, really identifying the heart of your story, even if you're not doing, you know, a save the cat outline. You don't have to do that. Um, so I'm able to write pretty quickly because of that. And then my edits, although I have had major edits, I still think they're not nearly as bad as they could be because I've I've done a lot of that work ahead of time. So yeah, I'm actually bumping up to um, a once every nine months schedule and publishing. And I'm hoping that I'll keep that up. Because you've outlined, do you know every day when you sit down today, I'm writing about this? How does that work? I am a start to finish kind of person. I really believe that's the easiest way to get it done. Yes. Write an amazing scene. If it really strikes you, Um, you know, like sometimes I'll have the end and I'll just sit down and write that. But otherwise I'm start to finish. I have a rough outline. I use a three X structure. So I know more or less where I'm going. And then at any given day, I just pick up where I left off before. I usually read my first chapter, 
And then I read a little of what I wrote the day before. So I kind of get back into it. I'll do a little bit of editing, like smoothing out a sentence here or there, but I don't tear the story apart until I've done the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, I mean, I have people who really argue for this. They're like, if I realize something's wrong, I stop in the middle and I redo it. But I have seen so many writers leave a draft altogether when they do this that I just like, don't do it. Just keep going, get it down on the page. As they say, you can't, you can't edit what you haven't written. So yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. What is the best writing advice you've received? So I don't even know where I read this, but it's um, probably everywhere, but it's just keep going. I have written 12 books at this point and I will publish eight of them to date. I have four books that will never be published and I'm fine with it. And I think from the outward view, people are like, oh, you've done, you know, you just are doing so well. And I wrote a book in 2019 that my publisher was like, nope, this is off brand for you. We're not publishing it. And it's in a drawer and it's fine. Every book you write is going to make you a better writer. Some of them are not going to work out. If you decide to make that mean that your career is over, then your career is over. But if you decide to make it mean like you're devoted to your craft, you're going to keep going, then you will succeed. It's just a numbers game. You know, every author reports that they have, they've got these manuscripts in the drawers. Yeah. Is there a part of you where, are there any of those manuscripts that a part of you kind of has a little nudge that maybe someday I'll come back to that one. Maybe someday I can make it worthy. No, because I have so many ideas for books. Like at any given time, I want to write five different books. And so I'm just like, oh, I'm over it. It's like, you know, your exes. Oh no, that, that relationship is never going to work. Each of those books taught me so much but I don't want to return to them. I really, there's so many books where I'm like, how am I going to write all these books before I die? I want to write 88 books by the time I'm 88. So I've got a lot of books to write. Tell me about your relationships with other authors. If you spend any time on Instagram, I think you can see how authors really by and large show up for each other at all levels of their career. And it's like anything. If I tell you to look for a purple car, you're going to like only see purple cars. And so I have had people come to me and say, oh, it's so hard to break in. Like everyone's so exclusive. I said, no, like point your brain in a better direction. Look at all of the authentic connections being made, even on social media. Yes, conferences are easier because you're in you know, person and it's very organic. But I believe if you show up and support other people, they're going to do the same for you. And so I really, I love blurbing other authors' books. I love connecting with other authors. I love talking shop with people. Um, it's just, you know, writing like people think about, I guess the accomplishment of it, but in a way, I believe you're serving the world by putting a book out there because you never know who is going to need to read it. And so I think that when you approach your author life that way too, like, how can I help? And maybe that's why I ended up being a coach. I don't know, but it just feels so lovely to know that you're establishing relationships with people and supporting them on their journey. It's like the best feeling. For one of your coaching (laughs) clients, what does success look like on your end? We talk so much about confidence and confidence is really based on what you've already accomplished. So I have confidence as a public speaker because I've done that lots of times. Self-confidence comes from doing something when you don't know if it'll work out 
A lot of times you don't have any evidence that it's going to work out for you, but really you believe that you have your own back and that you are willing to feel all the feelings. So we're so afraid of failure and like, I'm not exempt from this. We really want to do things that will work out, but self-confidence comes from being willing to do it, even though it might not work out and then moving forward anyways. And so for any client that I work with, and in my own life, I think this is the work too, is to continue to do what I say I'm going to do, try new things and be there with myself. Like that to me is success. Because if you just do what you can do and what's safe, you're going to live the same life and we're built to evolve. Like we're supposed to get better as human beings. And so it takes that self-confidence to do that. If someone wants to talk to you about coaching, how should they link up with you? So my website is camillepagancoaching.com and my website um, camillepagan.com also has a work with me button. It's very easy to find me and all of the information about my books and how to connect with me on social. All of that is right there. (laughs) Thank you so much. Great to talk with you. Writer's Table podcast music by Pival Uden and photography by Casey Meineke. If you like what you're hearing, please hit the subscribe button and consider leaving a review.